to continue to work through the letter of James. So today's second message from this letter meets head-on our attitudes to how we speak and listen to one another. And my friends, when we talk too much and listen too little, I believe we risk sending the message to others, particularly our non-believing friends, that we think that our ideas are much more important than theirs. And therefore, we appear to put ourselves above them. Now, in this part of his letter, James wisely advises us to reverse this process. Because remember, a conversation works two ways. It really is just as important to listen as to speak. And when we are engaged in a conversation, let me ask you a question. Do you think the other person feels that their ideas and their points of view have value? Or do they think we're just tuning them out and saying yes or no in what we think are the right places? Now, my friends, some of what I say today may be hard for some to hear, and it was certainly hard for me to write. Because I believe that the Word of God challenges us. It certainly challenges me. But I believe that's what the Word of God is meant to do. It is meant to challenge us. At times it is meant to make us feel uncomfortable. Because remember, we belong to a kingdom that's upside down according to the world. Jesus turned all the religious norms of his day on their head. He challenged the thinking that prevailed in his time. And my friends, I believe we must do the same in ours so that we can become the people that he wants us to be. Now, while preparing this, I read a story about the American president, Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. Now, he complained that no one really listened to what he said. So one day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line, he shook his hand and he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guests all shook his hand and responded with phrases like, Marvellous, Mr President, keep up the good work. We're proud of you, sir. God bless you, sir. But it wasn't until he got to the very end of the line while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. Shocked, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, Mr President, I'm sure she had it coming. The point here, perhaps, is that we should all pay more attention to those who are speaking to us and to the words that we read in verse 19 of our reading today. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
But you could say to me, Mike, if we were all to do that, we wouldn't achieve much, would we? And as it happens, I don't stand before you with a quick or an easy answer. And thinking about this has taken me some time. But what has become clear to me is that we should all become better listeners. Because if we took our time before we spoke and thought more before we got angry, let me move this down a bit. What has become clear to me is that we should all become better listeners. If we took our time before we spoke and thought more before we got angry, then I believe we would actually, actually achieve far more for the kingdom of God. And I believe we would have a better understanding of God too. Conceivably, we would hear and understand one another better and therefore we would be better equipped to do God's will. The first verse of our reading says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, listen up because this is important. So here, yet again, we find ourselves reading something in the Bible that goes against the attitudes of our generation and the world we live in where people are encouraged to express themselves and everyone's opinions and beliefs are supposedly equal. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We see other examples of this guidance in the Bible. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Those who guard their mouths preserve their lives. Those who open wide their lips come to ruin. Again in Proverbs 29 verse 20, do you see someone who is hasty in speech? There is more hope for a fool than for anyone like that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 it says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. My friends, we have two ears and one mouth, don't we? Therefore, do you think that could mean that proportionally we are made to be able to listen twice as much as we speak? Now, certainly there have been times in my life when that thought has helped me to not only bite my tongue, but also to focus on the person speaking to me as if for that moment he or she is the most important person in the world. My friends, I guess if God has put them in front of me, then at that moment they are my priority. James goes on to say, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And later he says, If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. My friends, more often than not, anger can show itself or reveals itself through our words, but also through our actions. There have been times when I have failed to bright my tongue and words have slipped out that I immediately regret and have caused hurt 
to someone. But unlike me, Jesus was consistently able to get angry without sinning. One definition of anger that I read is this, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure or hostility. Now in John's Gospel we read that Jesus entered the temple in Jerusalem and upon seeing that it was being used as literally a farm shop and a foreign exchange bureau, he got angry. However, we also read in the letter to the Hebrews that although Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Now my friends, I believe that too often in our anger we sin because we speak too quickly or perhaps we don't listen properly. Let me ask you this, have you ever been in a situation where you were so cross with someone because you thought that they had upset you or let you down that you got your response badly wrong. I'll put my hands up to that one. Perhaps you phoned them and left an ill-thought-out message on their machine. Maybe you emailed them or even wrote them a letter in which you poured out all your frustrations with them. But my friends... In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, we read this. We read about speaking the truth in love. Now take note of this, friends, and again, this is for me too. Quite frankly, anger runs contrary to the life that God wants for each of us. The anger that James is speaking of here is the anger we feel when our egos are bruised when our children misbehave and we react, when we feel that we've been disciplined wrongly, when we argue with someone who is close to us. Now these are the circumstances that I believe can cause us to sin. However, when we see injustice, we should get angry because others are being hurt. But my friends, We need to try and control our anger when we fail to win an argument or when we feel offended or rejected. Because in every respect, selfish anger never helps anybody. So in these circumstances, you say, what can we do then, Mike? What do we do? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Listening is a good place to start. Listening to God. Listening to ourselves and thinking about the situation. And then taking time to frame our response. We can then slowly prepare to speak the love, to speak the truth in love, in a constructive way. Verse 21 of our reading says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now the, word, the, the, the phrase to get rid of in this context is to, is to throw away a dirty shirt 
to dispose of some form of clothing that is deeply stained. And since James is referring to anger here, the filth and evil he speaks of is the nastiness and the hatred that is in our own hearts or can be in our own hearts. My friends, unless we recognise sin for what it is and then reject it, then our progress with God will be unlikely. So therefore I believe the force of this verse lies in the words, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In other translations of the Bible, it can be humbly is translated as in gentleness or with meekness. The Good News Bible translates it as submit to God. I've summed it up like this, to humbly submit to God in meekness. We know that, of course, meekness is a mark of those who receive the kingdom of God because we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And later, James writes this in chapter 3, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. My friends, humbly accepting the word that God sows in us should lead us to action. We cannot then merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. Quite simply, we have to do what it says. My my friends, I believe that God instructs us and he leads us and that he shows us the way for a reason. Verse 25 tells us that there is a great blessing when we hear the word and do it. Then do it again and continue to do it. My friends, I cannot emphasize enough that it is not what we know that counts. It is what we do that counts. There are many professors, teachers of theology, vicars and church pastors and even preachers who have masses of information about God crammed into their brains but my friends I believe that what is more important is what they and we do with that information and that knowledge and here is the heart of what I want to say to you this morning today's message is just about simply about whether we put the word of God and the will of God into practice Now I wonder what situations you've been in recently where you were faced with a choice. A choice to listen to a person or a situation and decide whether or not to put God's word or put the will of God into action. I wonder what situations you will face today or this week. But verse 27 of our Bible reading gives us this simple but easy easy to understand, guide us to how we can put the will of God into practice. But the question is, do we do it? 
religion that that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. My friends, I truly believe that God has good things for us to do. But let me tell you another story. And this is about a pastor from America. He writes, As a family, we recently made use of a disposable barbecue. Now, we've owned proper barbecues in the past, but we haven't had one for a few years. So when my wife suggested a few weeks ago that I should barbecue some burgers in the garden, I remembered that we had a few disposable barbecues in the garage. Now, I've never been that great about uh, barbecuing, he says. I usually burn things. But a few burgers, just four in fact, seemed to me to be no problem. So I took the disposable barbecue out of its package, read through the instructions, placed it on a solid surface and tried to light the barbecue. After five matches had blown out, I rechecked the instructions and noticed that it said, shield the barbecue from wind, especially when lighting. So I moved it away from the wind onto another solid surface where there was no wind and it lit very quickly. And within 15 minutes, the barbecue was ready for cooking. I put the burgers on and turned them after a few minutes and they were looking really good and smelling really delicious. In fact, I was really pleased with myself because in the past, as I've said, I've always burnt the burgers. My son Matthew was pleased and he was looking forward to cooking marshmallows over the heat and it wasn't long before the burgers were ready. I lifted each one off and placed them in a bun and just left one on the barbecue to finish off. And we began to eat, but two minutes later we looked and we looked and the barbecue looked like it was on fire. There were flames everywhere. So not wanting to live up to my burger-burning reputation, I lifted the remaining burger out of the flames and placed it in a bun whilst my son Matthew ran very quickly into the kitchen and returned with a large bowl of water. We looked at the burning barbecue, surveyed the melting wax of the garden table that I had placed the barbecue on and threw the water over it. Now no one was hurt, but the smoke was foul. Now I had read and ignored the instructions saying, do not place the barbecue on anything that is likely to catch fire. My friends, in verse 22 of our reading, we are told, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. My friends, the Bible is an instruction manual, just like the instructions on a disposable barbecue, and we should follow them. Or how about this story? The 2,000-member Baptist church was filled to overflowing capacity one Sunday morning. The preacher was ready to start the sermon when two men dressed in long black coats and black hats entered through the rear of the church. One of the two men walked to the middle of the church while the other stayed at the back. And then they both reached under their coats 
and withdrew automatic weapons. The one in the middle announced, everyone willing to take a bullet for Jesus, stay in your seats. The pews emptied very, very quickly. The deacons ran out the door. The assistant pastor even beat them. And after a few moments, there were only about 20 people left sitting in the church. And the preacher had stayed in his pulpit. The men looked around, put their weapons away, and said gently to the preacher, All right, pastor, the hypocrites have gone. You can now begin the service. Now, I suppose this is one way to separate the saints from the sinners. My friends, you're safe today. It's not a way that I would choose. Phew. There are other less dramatic ways to determine, isn't there, aren't there, who is committed and who is not committed to Jesus. What if someone at work approached someone they knew was a religious person and said, my life is miserable, I need something to change, I need help. What if that religious person said nothing, did nothing, and never shared his or her faith as the answer to that person's misery? Would you think that that religious person was either nervous, didn't know what to say, or just didn't care about that person who was miserable? Now, my friends, this is where it gets hard. I know, I know that I have failed at times to recognise an opportunity to share my faith with someone who needs to hear. However, I recognise my failings and have come to a decision to do better with God's help. So let me ask you another question. Do you consider yourself to be religious? Now, people can be religious about many things, can't they? Sports, movies... TV, travelling, shopping and many other hobbies. You name it and people can be very religious about it. But how religious are we when it comes to our faith? How seriously do we think about what our religion truly means to us and to God? Because my friends, I have to say this. If we are truly religious, then our religion will be more of a relationship with God than a religion. My friends, we will have and be developing a closer relationship to Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, three verses 7 to 9, we read this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost 
all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. My friends, knowing Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. Or it should be. So what does this tell us about being religious? I believe it tells me that I should be, in the eyes of God, living my faith every day as best I can. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. My friends, that's us. That's you and I. My friends, the question is, are we translating what we read in the Bible and our listening into doing? Are we quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Amen. Let us pray. Father, our reading started with, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Father, my prayer this morning is that you will enable us, you will help us to make our religion splendid in your eyes, not in, the light, not in the eyes of others. Father, this morning I pray that you will keep each one of us from being corrupted by our world. I pray that you will help each one of us to stay true to who you want us to be and not to adapt to the moral and ethical values of the world just to fit in and to be popular. And Father, this morning I pray that you will go before us as we seek to do your will in our daily lives and the situations that we come into contact with. In Jesus' name, Amen.